People are now finally having the platform to create content that consumers, that listeners, are expected to listen from beginning to end in a sequence. And I think that creates a very powerful platform for us to create new kinds of stories. Podcast Junkies episode 102. Did you catch last week? We kicked off season two with none other than Grammar Girl Mignon Fogarty. It was such a blast to meet her at Podcast Movement and then subsequently have her as the inaugural episode for season two. I couldn't have planned it better and it just worked out that way, which is really fantastic when things happen like that. Put a smile on my face. So check it out. It's 101. 102 is my interview with Hernan Lopez. Hernan and I met uh, on Twitter, actually, to begin with, and then we connected at Podcast Movement. He's the CEO and founder of Wondery. Wondery is a new uh, network of podcasts, and they had a booth there. And it was really interesting because it seems like they're a, a fresh uh, breath of fresh air in this space. And not only are they working with partner shows, they've got a, a, a several shows in the queue or in the family uh, under True Crime, It's Real Crime Profile, Sword and Scale. Uh, I need to have him on the show very soon. We've talked about that. The Vanished podcast. Um, and then in the inter- entertainment category, uh, Star Wars Minutes, Story Worthy, Juicy Scoop with Heather McDonald, Mad About Movies. Uh, 302010, The Cleansed Ruby, The Adventures of a Galactic Gumshoe. Um, they've also got Radio Drama Revival and Stories Podcast. And then the original shows are Found, which is a really good show based on a, on a magazine that's been around for about 10 years, and Secrets, Crimes, and Audio Tape. So as you can hear, they're, they're definitely keeping busy. And uh, I really like the look and feel quite honestly, of the site. And I I knew that I wanted to have a conversation about networks, about podcasting, and about the fact that Anand comes from a traditional TV background. But a lot of what he's learned there in his years working there really is interesting and valuable for the podcasting space. Because Although, you know, we're saying that podcasting is the new thing and we're doing things a whole different way, um, I think there is some lessons to be learned and, and it was really nice to have that conversation even, and even better yet to have it in person at the Wondery Studios in Los Angeles. So sit back, relax, listen in to uh, some great sounding audio courtesy of the Wondery Studios and uh, stay tuned at the end of the interview for the retention hashtag and all the other good things that come with that. So uh, it's been interesting. Typically, normally for podcast junkies, I speak to podcast hosts. Right. And I think we engaged on Twitter. And I think I was responding to a comment and I saw, you know, there's a lot of people that you see that are doing podcast networks. And I'm so I'm always interested in, in people that are doing them and what's the story behind them. So I think I think I reached out or made a comment on Twitter and then I saw that we were going to be you were going to be at podcast movement. And so we connected there. So I'm happy that we got the chance finally to make this happen and just dig in a little deeper because the idea of podcast networks is really fascinating. So thanks for taking the time today. Thank you. It's my pleasure to be with you. So I'm, I'm interested because um, you are, you've been 20 plus years uh, with, uh, I think, Fox International. Was Nearly that, yeah. 20, yeah. 19 years. And it, for all intents and purposes, it's what could be described as old media, right? Or or you know, new media, but not as new as what's happening now with podcasting. The polite word is legacy media, <laughs> but I think television is a very powerful medium. Let's yeah, not kid ourselves. No, a lot of people watch a lot of television, and there's a lot of great content being made in television. There's a renaissance happening in television, a and, age. and a really golden age. And uh, you know, with Game of Thrones, Walking Dead, uh, uh, it's just really fantastic. I mean, for me, it started with Six Feet Under, uh, right. which was a fantastic but show. But actually, you point to something very interesting. That moment in time, Six Feet Under, which was also one of my favorite shows <laughs> ever made. When you look at the before and after of TiVo, remember when TiVo was created in 2001? Yeah, I had one. Before that, I did too. <laughs> before that, uh, we had those procedural dramas that people could watch one out of four or one out of uh, three or um, come back to it, not necessarily watch them in a sequence or the sitcoms. And then after TiVo comes in, 
when people realize I don't need to watch television on a linear fashion, I don't need to watch it when it's scheduled, I can watch it on my own time, that's when the start of serialized, character-driven drama comes to TV. That's when uh, The Sopranos come to be and Six yeah. Feet Under and The Wire and then FX uh, launches The Shield. And from that moment on, every new show that launched, particularly in cable, premium cable and basic cable, brought this medium of or, or this storytelling um, uh, type of character-driven um, serialized dramas a step further. And there's a parallel with uh, podcasting yeah. and audio on demand. If you think about the way most audio content has been created over the last 80 years, it's been meant to be consumed uh, linear in, in, in progress. So people, Howard Stern would create a show and he will do it in a way that you can join in progress, you can live in progress. And that's that, that can describe pretty much all of commercial radio. But only on podcasting, people are now finally having the platform to create content that consumers and listeners are expected to listen from beginning to end in a sequence. And I think that creates a very powerful platform for us to create new kinds of stories. So stepping back a little bit, obviously you're well-versed in, in, in TV, and I'm wondering if that's something that was, as you were growing up, it's something, you know, when we think about our childhoods and we think about our time in front of the TV, uh, is that something that resonates with you that you've always been attracted to and, and have a fond memory of shows that you used to watch on a regular basis? Not so much. You'd be surprised. And you think about my very first job was radio and cable. Okay. And before even that, when I was in uh, school, um, and right after I got kicked out of high school, I started a radio show on a pirate radio station, which was pretty much the predecessor of podcasting today. Uh, so we, got, we have to dig into that a little bit. What did you get kicked out of high school for? <laughs> for being too smart. Can you elaborate on that? Oh, yes. Too smart by half is what I, I should have actually said. <laughs> um, I, I was, yeah, get great uh, get grades and got along with everybody, but I was the uh, editor of the school newspaper. And um, I, I just love to draw cartoons of uh, professors, and they made fun of themselves, of each other, based on the cartoons that I do. So they found one opportunity that I just didn't do exactly what I was expected to do, and they kicked me out. It was the best thing that ever happened. Pretty... Um, hard to um, swallow as, as a teenager, as a 17-year-old, but in hindsight, the best thing that happened to me. And where, where was this at? Were Argentina. You, Argentina. And what was your family's response? Oh, they were devastated. They were really, really sad. And, and obviously, they thought that I had been unfairly kicked out because obviously, and imagine, you put yourselves in the shoes of parents whose uh, kid has A grade, straight A's, never has had any trouble, never had demerit, never anything like that. And all of a sudden, boom, you're fired. <laughs> Um, it, it was just not easy for them either. And so where do you, where do you go from there? And what, what were you thinking about in terms of college at that point? Uh, I went to another, well, I had to finish high school. Yeah. So I, I finished high school on another, um, school, not by going, but rather by taking the exam. So essentially getting my, my degree. And then instead of, uh, going, um, the way that my brother or my sister, when my brother is an engineer, my sister is an accountant. So I was meant to be an engineer, a doctor, a lawyer. Uh, and I told my parents, you know what? I want to start advertising. They said, what? Advertising is not even a career. This is 26 years ago in Argentina. What are you talking about? Um, and I said, that's what I want to do. And, and, and they said, well, right. then go right ahead. The only school at the time that offered advertising as a career was a night school. Hmm. So I started it, and then I got a job during the day, and that was my first job as a copywriter. Um, where I would write copy uh, and for the sales department of this radio and cable company during the day and then um, study advertising at night. What's interesting about copywriting is, as I've been learning a lot about um, entrepreneurs, having my own business, and online marketing, it's very clear how important the power of the written word is to influence people. And I think it's one of the skills that probably is not taught as much as it should be in school, because I think this this power to speak and obviously coming from advertising, you understand like a well-placed word or a well-placed phrase, you know, really has the power to influence people in a way that, that I think they don't even understand as it's happening to them. Makes a huge difference from uh, everyday life to uh, very high stakes conversations. I think last night, obviously, we're uh, reporting this podcast episode on the day after the Democratic Convention when Hillary uh, Clinton 
accepted the nomination and she had so many great one-liners. One of them was, a man who you can bait with a tweet is not a man who should be trusted with a nuclear codes. I think that one line, so few words, but so powerful, will resonate for many years. Can you think of other examples of that that education that you received um, in advertising, learning copywriting, where it's been helpful for you later on in your life? I I, I had the, the um, fortune of having really good professors, and some of them taught things that were beyond advertising. So, for, for example, I remember one professor that was very keen on making sure that we understood body language, which is not something that is unique to advertising mm-hmm. at all, but it's something that really helped me as I developed my career and as I became in interaction with so many people. And uh, it became most useful of all here in Los Angeles, believe it or not, because um, where are you from, Harry? Um, I grew up in New York. In New York. Yeah. Um, and Well, in Buenos Aires, like in New York, people are very direct. Yeah. So when they don't like something, they will tell you. Here in Los Angeles, people will not necessarily tell when they don't like something. So you have to get it out of them. You have to read into the body language and the things that they don't say. And that that was one example of things that I learned at that school that I, I kept for a long time. Was that something that surprised you? Because obviously coming from Argentina, I'm Latino as well. I, I mean, I was born in El Salvador, but I was raised here. My wife is Colombian, so I'm very familiar with the right. Latino culture and the ability to be direct, whether it works out in the end or not. Right. <laughs> it's another story. But coming from that, and I know Argentinians are, are very direct and very passionate about all things, uh, not the least of which is football and, and, and wine and, and a good steak. But to a fault sometimes. <laughs> yeah, so I'm wondering, you know, if if that was a hard transition for you as you started to acclimate to, to life here in the States. Uh, it, it was, actually. And it was uh, it was a while into my being in the States that I realized cult- the, you know, the, the effect of cultural differences. Um, I spent three years in Miami working for Fox as um, director of advertising sales. My English wasn't very good. You notice I still have an accent, you know, 20 years after having uh, been in the U.S. And um, I noticed after I moved to L.A., because in Miami, a lot of people are Latino, so you don't really necessarily see the diff- the cultural difference as much. Um, <clears throat> you notice uh, when, when I come to L.A. that, um, as and, and then I started by fortune running an international business, so it gives me the really great perspective of, being able to interact with people from France and from Italy and from Israel and from Japan and from Hong Kong and from England. Um, one thing that always struck me is how a conversation between two Argentinians um, tended to, and it's a broad generalization, but tended to uh, being about who's right and who's wrong, mm-hmm. right? So if they were being, if they had a disagreement, it, they, they weren't trying so much to find out what the truth was, but rather who was proving the other person wrong. And uh, and here in the U.S., it's that that is culturally not um, the way you you conduct a conversation at all. Because if you're always trying to prove the other person wrong, um, people will stop talking to you. Is that a function of machismo, or is that more the the culture? I I think it's a very Argentinian thing, particularly Argentinian thing. I've seen it in other countries, not only in Argentina. I've seen it in Italy as well. But it, but 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 I, I think. Uh, it represents a very part of very very direct, uh, very unique part of Argentinian culture. We're trying to um, um, be argumentative and and being passionate in a, a discussion, but always trying to make sure that you know that you're right in the end. And uh, I'm so I imagine, especially as you work your way through the the organization and as you're growing in the ranks and you're realizing the importance of. Having, having to deal with people of different cultures. And I had to get rid of that because that was me too, obviously. <laughs> yeah, so that was uh, where I was going is, is you know, what was the transition for you as you started to figure out or, or acquire these new traits of, you know, maybe patience and, and tolerance and, and learning to see the other side of, a, of an argument? I'm listening, right? I think that the most yeah. uh, effect, the most, um, the single biggest thing that people can, should be learning in school and at home is the ability to listen. This is one of the ways, one of the reasons why I love radio and I love podcasting. It really makes people better listeners. You notice in our website, wondery.com, that's yeah. our tagline, right? our listening. I think that in, a, in the context of a business conversation, um, you always need to be able to put yourself in the shoes of the other person. So no matter what you do, whether you're trying to sell, whether you're trying to hire a person, whether you're trying to 
get an interview. You you are you always need to know what is the person across the table from you trying to accomplish. And just that tiny little change in attitude before you sit down makes a huge difference in your ability to get things done. And your ability to find common ground and from for business purposes, you know, find a way to work together to do good things, right? Absolutely. So I'm wondering, so when did podcasting appear on your radar? Uh, not that long ago. The, but, but actually, I should um, rephrase that. Initially, it was about 10 years ago when podcasting started to essentially become a thing, but I, I listened to it sporadically like many people do. I was one of the first owners of an iPod, so, um, and, uh, and then I stopped listening um, until a year ago when so many people were talking about Serial that it was impossible not to check it out. Yeah. And I discovered that um, there was just so much great content out there that there was a world of entertainment and a world of knowledge waiting to be discovered. And it was all there available for free in your own time, in your own schedule. And you can get as granular as you want it or as broad as you want it. And I noticed that there was a time in my life that I just stopped listening to radio. I have nothing against radio. I love radio. But the, the, the combination of um, radios need to uh, get maximum number of listeners, yeah. right, with the commercial load made it impossible for the kind of quality shows that NPR is famous to for, to um, be available to everybody. So if you notice in the last, before listening to podcasting, if I can ask you, what do you listen to? Music. Um, I grew up DJing and I'm a fan of electronic music. So for actually for me, a podcast, right. as of you know maybe three or four years ago, was a, was a 60 minute mix of a DJ. Of a DJ, yeah. exactly. Yes. <laughs> no, no, I, I, yeah, I, that, I, that's exactly what that was my first experience as well. But if you look at the, all the audio content, uh, right, and that is made in the US, that's non music. Um, the vast majority of quality content in audio is uh, produced out of NPR and NPR alumni and NPR affiliates. And it's, to me, remarkable that one group of um, companies, and no commercial, has a near monopoly of mm -hmm. all, and the quality of the market. It doesn't happen in TV, it doesn't happen in newspapers, it doesn't happen uh, anywhere else. Uh, and, and the reason for that, I, I think, is that there wasn't a commercial model for um, high-quality content uh, that is non-music, so audio, audio, as we call it, audio entertainment, people call it spoken word audio or yeah. non-music audio. There wasn't a marketplace or a business model for long shelf life audio, quality audio. Mm -hmm. And now with podcasting, there is. And so when, so as you start to become aware of what's happening, and obviously Serial was a big moment for a lot of people start up as well. People mention uh, that podcast. When did the wheels start turning in your head about this is something that you wanted to get more involved in? There are a couple of things happened. First is out of my 18, 19 years at Fox, I spent about half of the time daydreaming about being an entrepreneur, having my own company, right? And, and I, I, I was particularly fond of the moment when I started, when uh, cable television was um, first in Latin America, then around the world, something that was new and underappreciated and needed to be built and we needed to open doors. And um, I think the combination of serial and discovering what Serial was. And um, Alex Bloomberg quitting his own job, yeah. launching startup and very publicly uh, creating a great company and a great show. Uh, and I think that the one thing that really pushed me over the edge was that I had been reading books about startups for all of 2015. So I read The Lean Startup, If You Really Want to Change the World, Exponential Organizations, you name it, yeah. um, back, getting back, venture deals um, from uh, zero to 100. Mm -hmm. None of those books was as real to me as listening to a single episode of Startup Podcast. Yeah. I don't know if you, you listened no, to it. No, I mean, him. yeah, it was, it was a transformational moment for a lot of us because I had been podcasting at that point for probably a year, year and a half. Right. And, it was, and I, I was also in the process of starting up a business. So those two passions were merged here and it was it made for riveting audio because you're listening and he's very transparent he's very clear about wh what he doesn't know and he's not shy about recording it which is great because 
those, you know, this is when I talk to people about podcasting, you know, try to be as real as possible because that's what's going to draw the listener in and, and they want to be able to align with that and, you know, have something that, that's, that's going to make them think, wow, I'm, I feel just as nervous and I probably would be just as nervous if I was in that same situation. So it was really, I mean, that whole first season was just fascinating to listen to as, as he worked his way through the process of trying to do what a lot of entrepreneurs, you know, would like to do. It was fascinating. It was a really a teaching moment, but it also had the effect of showing um, or, or or making me more convinced that there was a business opportunity behind it. And uh, what I, I got out of uh, Gimlet and the Gimlet Media business model was that everything that they're doing on the real life um, uh, unscripted side, I want to do on the scripted side. So mm-hmm. the opportunity in particular that I saw is to recreate uh, audio drama, or, or as we put it here, to start a new golden age of audio drama. Have you ever listened to an audio drama? I Lime did. Can I listened to the uh, the one on uh, GE. The, uh, the Message. The Message. Right. That was great. Right. Yeah. So the, one of the fascinating things to me is that radio drama obviously preceded television drama, but uh, it was replaced by TV because radio drama is something that requires your attention and yeah. requires appointment listening. And it was designed mostly for prime time. So when people um, 80 years ago were listening to World of the Walls or, or those classic, um, sorry, not, uh, not, uh, wrong number, um, they were getting around the radio, um, um, the radio receiver in, in their family. Yeah. And once the TV got into the household, then the radio receiver went to the second room, right? So as a result, people stopped making radio drama because that's not... Um, a kind of content that is well-suited for daytime or for linear radio. Except that in the UK, uh, the BBC continued to make it, and they still make it today. They make 500 hours a year, hmm. and a lot of people listen to it, and a lot of writers write for it, and a lot of uh, great directors and actors act for it. So that gave me the confidence that there is that you can make it, and you can make it at a at really good uh, quality and scale. What hadn't happened until right now is that even in the UK, uh, because they do it mostly for linear radio, they are focused on single stories or, or, or you know, stories that are close-ended, mm-hmm. similar to the kind of stories that preceded TiVo in television. So I was looking at that parallel between television, obviously the before and after uh, TiVo and television on demand, how there was an, a way of television being made before and a way of television being made after or a way of storytelling. Uh, and I thought that the same thing would happen, I think, that the same thing will happen for audio. So there has been a kind of audio experience that um, that essentially was most prevalent before podcasting, before on-demand audio, as I call it. And there's going to be another kind of experience. And Serial Startup and uh, Found and my uh, Wondery's future audio dramas will be part of that experience. So as you're starting to put together what is going to eventually be Wondery, who are the other people in the space? Because there's, you know, Panoply and some other networks out there. Were you looking at those as the model for what you wanted Wondery to be? In many respects, Gimless is, is a model. I mean, they, they create great, um, great quality of storytelling, and they're very, um, they're very determined about the kind of shows that they make and how much, um, yeah, how much care they put into yeah. every single half hour of, of shows uh, that they make. Panoply has done some amazing uh, things as a main role. Um, there's a number of um, stories, though, that I, I don't think are being told at all. Uh, there are very few audio dramas. If you look in the um, in the um, in the iTunes in the iTunes store, yeah. um, the message is probably the biggest one of yeah. them done by Panoply for G, but. I think welcome that, to Night Vale. Uh, welcome to Night, Night Vale. vale. Yeah. And if you look at all the other ones, every, all the other ones are done by independent, yeah. uh, um, you know, uh, producers, right? Um, and I think partially it's because they're expensive to yeah. make by the standard of most podcasts. Um, but I, I think the bo- the business model will 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 eventually allow us to monetize it to recoup um, the the cost of making them because these are shows that will have a very long shelf life. So as you got started, you were having discussions with people who you've worked with in the past, because Wondery does have a, an investor with, uh, is, it, is it Fox? That's Fox is, uh, has made a small investment, yeah. as have many other friends and, and former colleagues from, uh, from, from my, my years at Fox. 
And so I'm interested if you could talk a little bit about those discussions and if you were thinking about uh, being, you were the equivalent of the uh, Alex Bloomberg as you were having those discussions, I imagine, because you were in a position to say, hey, I'm doing something similar. Did it help to have that as a reference point or were you, did you feel like this was new ground you were covering? Uh, I think it did. I think it did because obviously if I had come to Fox a year before and I talked about podcasting, they're still still, but, you know, but to be frank, by the the scale of the kind of business that they are, the scale of the business that all of podcasting it is, we, we're still a very growing and small business, but they're never being shy about being first. Yeah. And so did you have thoughts about, uh, or were you projecting to them where you think this can go and how, you know, how were you explaining to them what the growth in this market is, is looking like? Well, I explained with the, uh, an analogy of what Netflix was 15 years ago. Remember how Netflix saw 15 years ago. They, yeah. It was just seen as, as a byproduct or, or a substitution to a video store. And, uh, and nobody 15 years ago dreamed what Netflix is today. How did you think about the types of shows that you wanted to kick off Wondery with? And, and did you have some in mind? And, and how was that discovery process? What I, and then you, you probably know uh, that we have partner shows and yeah. Wondery Originals, right? The partner shows are the shows that we represent. They're being made by uh, our producing partners, um, Sword and Scale, Real Crime Profile, The Vanish, Story Podcast. And the Wondery Originals are the ones where we're putting the Wondery brand and they're being made essentially by us, in some cases with co-producing partners. Like Found. Like Found, yeah. exactly. And the uh, the filter for this second uh, kind of shows for the Wonder Originals are high quality storytelling, whether it's scripted or unscripted. It has to be a storytelling based podcast, and we are focusing on shows that have again a long shelf life. Shows that people will be able to come six months after and they still mm-hmm. see value. Them maybe a year after, maybe two years after, they still find value in it. Just like people are listening today to the first season of serial or startup. Yeah. And then the, the other filter is we um one um we, we we want to make sure that um the shows that we 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 have uh with the Wondery brand um are shows that people will want to come very frequently to, right? So as opposed to the the average the, the typical model in in television or radio is that people watch one or two out of four yeah. episodes. We want those shows that people will listen from beginning to end in a very attentive environment that really pay attention to every single minute. I think what you find is podcast listeners, um, one of the terms I've heard, it ex- how, how I've heard it explained is that they're completists. So for, I've done this myself. You know, I've, right. If I see a podcast that's very interesting I just out of habit go to the first episode and I said, and I start looking at it and I listen to it. And then some of these, and I still don't I catch myself doing it recently. I'll, I'll, if it's 20 or 30, 40 episodes, I, if I want to hear the arc of right. how this, how the podcast has grown episode by episode, and I'm really fascinated by the, by the host or by the content, you know, I'll, I'll make the investment, you know, I'll download That's all great. the episodes and I'll listen to them all. Because I, I like the arc, you know, and, right. I, and I've had some people do that to my show, which, I mean, it's honored. I'm honored that people would actually take the time to do that. Right. But I think it's the nature of podcast listeners and the intimacy and the fact that, you know, it's mm-hmm. it's been repeated ad nauseum. But the fact that you're in the earbuds and it's very intimate listening experiences, I think it's what makes uh, people who are subscribing to the shows feel like they have a connection and they make that connection with the host and with the story. You are our kind of listener. You are exactly the kind of listener that we're going after. We want people to do exactly that with our shows, which is why we won't make that very many shows uh, that are Wonder Originals. So there's a lot of people listening to my show that are podcast fans, podcast junkies, and podcasters themselves. And I imagine there's some that might be asking, in terms of the criteria, you know, if, you, if you're thinking about uh, a one on one for someone who's building a show that may at some point be considered uh, for, uh, by, by Wondery, what, what's some of the guidance you would give to future podcasters or, or future Wondery candidates? Well, we first uh, we, we started with um, having a subject matter that the podcast host is really passionate about. I mean, we, we know that for most people, 
podcasting is something that they do in addition to something else. That it's it's very rare that is your only career. Uh, so. You, as you know, you've been this show doing for two years now, yes, right? Two plus, it takes yeah. a lot of time, and it's, it takes a lot of coming to your research to actually come in the recording booth and do it. So you you need to have something that you'll have fun doing it, and yeah. you really you'll be looking forward to doing it every week. Or or if you tape every week, that's fine. But you need to know that you you have that commitment with your listeners. Um, then we're going to go around um, uh, different channels, and we use the word channels because. Our television bias, um, nor Jeffrey Glaser, our president of content, also comes from Fox. He okay. was the EVP of content at 20th Century Fox. Carlos Alcinas, director of marketing, comes from 20th TV. Christina Harrow, uh, she comes from Univision. Okay. So we, it's there's a lot of TV people in this yeah. company. And uh, the channels that we're going after are uh, so far entertainment, home and family, and we are expanding um, channel by channel. Right, right now we're in the process of, of, of starting a, a business channel and a channel called Cool Stuff to Know. And okay. Cool Stuff to Know will be uh, the show where stuff you should know or 99% invisible would be if we were lucky to have them on our okay. network. So so intelligent shows that will leave you at the end of the episode with a feeling that you're smarter than you were an hour ago. Um, so, but, but it depends. I mean, it depends with, um, it depends on, on, on where we are, but, but those yeah. are the... the the, the the channels that we're focused on right now. We're also looking for shows about uh, for geeks and gamers, as okay. it happens. We just set up this cool show called Star Wars Minute, <laughs> where they analyze the Star Wars movie minute by minute. I think I've heard of that it's show. It's yeah. fascinating. <laughs> the um, the other thing, obviously, you know, audio quality. I know yeah. um, it, it's it, we take it for granted, but it's, it's hugely important for listeners um, because it's a proxy for the quality of the show for when when sure. we listen to a show the first time. And and we also have a minimum audience level, right? Depends on. We're now looking at shows that are making at least twenty five thousand downloads an episode, um, because we use a technology powered by a company called R nineteen out of San Francisco mm-hmm. that um, monetizes the entire back catalog. Okay, and that's really important finance as a business model because just to give you an example, this one show that we have that has um, every episode has. 80,000 downloads per episode when measured in the traditional podcast way, which is the four weeks after. Yeah. But when you look at the catalog, uh, they're making 600,000 uh, downloads a month, hmm. right? So you could either be selling against 80 times 4, 320,000, or you could be selling against 600,000. So the R19 technology allows us to do the latter. Um, there's another show that we have that, that has even more skewed uh, library versus uh, new content. But the, that technology is is pricey, right? So yeah. it's um, in order to for us to justify that there's got to be a minimum number of listeners. So where are, are you turning over every podcasting stone looking for some of these shows? Obviously, some of the conferences, I imagine you, you probably had some a lot of interest coming to you from podcast movement. Right. Um, where else are you looking? Uh, where every morning one of our guys is combing the iTunes database, looking, and we have a very a software that organizes all that information. Um, and uh, he's looking at what's going up. We're looking at, because you know it's really difficult to find out how many listeners yeah. each show almost um, really has. So we look at number of ratings and reviews as a good proxy for the number of listeners that the show's had. So let's uh, talk a little bit about the team. As you were building the team out, mm-hmm. and uh, what's the total now? For six. Six employees. Uh, I, for some reason, I just saw the Justice League trailer, and I'm thinking of, like, you're like Batman, and you're going out <laughs> right, and finding all these superstars, because I imagine you needed a combination of skill sets right. as you thought about, you know, who, you know, what, what, what has worked well for you in television. I'm wondering if you could think about, you know, this might help some of the people who are trying to build a team for this type of thing. Like what, what were you looking for as you're start, starting to, to look for hire, uh, folks to hire? Um, obviously we, we wanted, um, we wanted diversity to, to start. And uh, you saw the team has just started. Three of us happened to be Latino and, and, uh, and we, we were really uh, not by design, I, I think by accident. Um, we um, we wanted uh, um, we wanted skill sets that are complementary. So um, Jeffrey, as I mentioned, is the president of content. He uh, comes from the creative side, which I never run. I always run the business side, even though, as you know, I started as a copywriter. So yeah. 
I, I, I do like to get my hands on, on scripts and, and ideas. Um, Christina runs our uh, brand partnerships. That's a fancy way of naming advertising sales. Yeah. But we really do brand partnerships because we want to connect with brands and get their briefs and, and find out exactly what their goal is because the, the product that we offer to them is a combination of, um, of a combination of content and creative. Um, Mick runs talent relations. He's the one that you met at podcast movement, yeah. um, trying to recruit podcasters. And, uh, Royce is our chief of staff. Um, he runs our uh, website, our interaction with all the platforms, um, for, uh, for publishing with iTunes, with Stitcher. And Carlos is our director of marketing. And we also have a summer intern, Maddie. She's amazing, but yeah. unfortunately she's going to leave when college starts again. I imagine she's excited at the opportunity to have been working with you guys. Very much. Very <laughs> much. So how Im important with, you know, with your career in at Fox and having worked with, I imagine a variety of teams, probably coworkers into the hundreds at this point, how important is team for you? Hugely important. Uh, team and culture are two of the most important things uh, of, of any company. And it doesn't matter whether it's six. And by the time I left Fox, we were 4,000 of us, mm -hmm. Fox International Channels. And, um, you know, Fox overall was probably 30,000. Um, and and it, it's, you know, the people that you spend most of the day with are, are your coworkers. Have you had discussions with them in terms of where this is going? Because it has, it's still a, a new industry. And I imagine part of the allure was the fact that they're getting in with something that's really hot right now, podcasting. But right. have you had discussions about where you see Wondery in, you know, in two years and five years? I have. Obviously, when they all join, they know what my vision for the company is. And I don't want to uh, give away too much of it over here because it is ambitious. Yeah. And uh, but, but, but we, we think we have a path uh, to create a, a company that is a, it is one of the first mobile native media companies, right? There aren't that many companies that were born after mobile became um, be, became a medium. Even Facebook, which is the undisputed leader in mobile, was born when mobile wasn't a thing. So we are thinking of ourselves as, as a mobile uh, media company, and, and every decision that we take uh, is is, is um, shaped by by that framework. It's interesting that you have the descriptor of mobile in there because right. it's, it's really like an important part of how people are consuming podcasts. I think a lot of people, some people ask if they should do a video podcast. I said, well, if you think about how people consume, it's walking the dog, it's going to the gym, it's in the car, you know, it's it's in motion. Right. And I saw the fact that that's, you know, front and center uh, in terms of how you describe what the future looks like, I think, is really important because that's really what it's going to be. Right, right. If you think about uh, um, you know, media platforms, right, uh, mobile smartphones are today in the hands of about half of the consumers in the world. By the end of the decade, they're going to be in the hands of 80% yeah. of every consumer of 7 billion people on the planet. So 80% of them will have. That never happened with TV. That never happened with computers. The only media that achieved 80% penetration on a worldwide basis was radio. Yeah, and so it's interesting to see how it all comes back around. <laughs> so I, I imagine this is this is this is your baby now. This is you know uh, taking up a lot of your time. Um, I'm curious, bringing it back a little bit on the personal side, if um, this is like an investment that you're making in terms of like spending time here, and, and you know, I, I don't know how long the hours go, or how long the days go, but if that's you know part of your thought process in terms of like, I, I need to make this investment now in order to, because it's a growing company. And, and if, if that's, you know, meaning that you're seeing less of your family because, you know, you're, you're having to, to put the time in here. I saw, um, I, 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 I'm, I'm putting, I'm putting a lot of hours into this business, obviously. Um, but remember when I was at Fox, I was spending, um, a lot of time on my plane, on, on a plane, traveling all around the world. So it's been, a, I was going to say, I didn't see that, many, that much of them before, but that's not true. Actually, yeah. I had a very limited um, budget of travel years, uh, travel days a year, right? So I never traveled more than 100 days a year. And now I travel less, but yes, it's requiring more of my, my time. And so how important is it to have the support of your family as you, as you try to grow this company to the best that you think it can be? It's always important. Yeah. It's always very important.
Is that uh, a cultural thing or is that just something that in, 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 you know, do you come from a big family? Uh, my, um, they happen to be all here right now. Okay. So it happens by, by, yeah, my, no, it's not a big family. It's five of us. Okay. And, uh, they, um, my mom about a year ago decided that she wanted to have everybody here in Los Angeles for the first time in, I think four or five years. Uh, so my, um, nieces and nephews came and they're all here until Sunday as it happens. Culturally, I think having the support of the family is always important. Cultural, not culture. I think it's in, in anyone, uh, business, uh, in, in, in anyone, um, and anyone significant aspect of your career. Um, but I, they, they all are really happy that I'm taking this path because they, they, they see that they see all the parallels between podcasting today and cable television when I started. And what do you see as the opportunities for what's happening now in podcasting here in the States and English speaking markets and how behind the curve are, you know, for example, the Latin American markets? Um, let me take the second part of the question first. I, I know there's no, um, there are a lot of Spanish language podcasts period in the U S or Latin America. You know, one of the things that surprised me when we, we do a survey of our listeners, when there's a question, how many of them are Latino, we're getting anywhere between two and 5% Hmm. of Latino listeners for, um, podcasts that are about everything. Um, not even TV, you get numbers that low. And, um, so I, I think uh, podcasting has started as an American medium, partially because it's so tied to um, iPhones, yeah. and iPhones are stronger in the U.S. than pretty much anywhere else in the world. Um, but the rest of the world will see the same, uh, the same trends. I mean, every time that a listener who used to listen to radio, or maybe they didn't even listen to radio because there wasn't anything in radio that they felt was just for them, discovers podcasting, they get hooked. So uh, in in other languages other than, than, than English, there's going to be the same cycle of more content leading to more listeners, leading to more content. Uh, we think, I, I think we're a couple of years away from that. Have you, in, uh, did you ever have any aspirations for uh, per- performing or being behind the microphone yourself? Uh, no, never did. Other than that, you know, very short-lived radio show in, in the Paris station. Do you think that that's uh, just like a different skill set or a different mindset for people? You know, people that decide to to do this for for their for a good period of their life. Part of it is my I, I never got too comfortable about my accent, so I, I just can't imagine that I I, I I don't know. I just can't imagine my career. I I have a lot of respect for people that can be behind the microphone and behind the camera because a lot of people underestimate just how difficult that is to be able to think on your feet, to be able to come up with an answer, to be able to draw into your stories yeah. uh, or in, in, into your um, your personal life even and, and make that come across in an interview. Um, and uh, I just never thought that would, that would be my, my thing. So uh, a couple more questions as we, as we wrap up, and these have nothing to do about podcasting, more, maybe a little bit more about you. I'm, I'm wondering if you can think about something you've changed your mind about recently. Um, that's a hard one to think on the spot, but I change my mind about things all the time. And, uh, but, but let, let me get back to you on that one. Uh, another one along the same lines yeah. is for the people that know you, you know, there's people, your family have known you for, you know, for a long period of time right. and people like your coworkers from mm-hmm. past jobs have known you, but you know, there's people that you meet and you just, that are just getting, right, right. uh, to know you. And I'm wondering if you could think about, um, you know, something that you would say is one of the most misunderstood things about you. Um, a lot of people, um, think that, I'm um, an extrovert where I'm in reality, very shy, who pretends to be an extrovert by essentially overcompensating. So I'm very comfortable being by myself. I'm very mm. comfortable being alone. I'm the kind of person that when I'm on a you know at a party and I I don't know anybody, I'll make an effort to try to meet people. But in reality, my first instinct will be to get the hell out. Hmm. So you you mentioned that you 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 know you spend time on your own when you're if you're not listening to a podcast. I imagine you probably listen to several now. But um, what else do you like to do or from a hobby perspective? I don't have a lot of time, unfortunately, because <laughs> I have two kids and uh, you know husband at home. And, um, and, and then so work out. So I always think it's, it's very important to stay in shape. And, um, but the, the last six months have been all about the business and the kids. 
So and listen to podcasts. Yeah, right? of course. Which brings me to my question: Do you have listened to Found? I I listened to the most recent episode. Yeah. What do you think of it? I thought it was fascinating. I think uh, the arc. I I don't. I think I was aware that it was a magazine, and right. so it was interesting because the first show that came to mind is Mystery Show. Right. Exactly. Uh, and Kathleen, she used to work with Davey at This America Life. Yeah. yeah. So it's a, a a similar premise, but. Uh, it was very well, very well done, and I, I like the arc of the recent story of the of the guy who was writing the uh, the love notes. <laughs> thank you, thank <laughs> and you. And the fact that it was an arc. Uh, what was interesting is that you were capturing. I, I thought for a moment you were going to tell what happened with the story, and that it would finish there. But it, it seemed like that was only the beginning of the story. Right. And what he was doing was uh, uh, the hostess, Davy. Davy Rothbard. Yeah, Davy yeah. was kept teasing it out. So you you felt at some point that the, you were at the end of a. You know, the story, it was really another chapter. And and so it was weaved through um, very ingeniously into about four or five chapters, because at at some point you stop trying to guess where the show is going to, where it's going to end. And the only thing you have to go by is to look at the, at the episode time and say, okay, wait, there's there's, there's there's six more more minutes. Anyway, for the listeners, so Found is a new podcast. It's our first one original that the listeners do that haven't listened to it yet. And, and I I think it's a fascinating show. It's been, uh, David Rothbard obviously is the, um, creator of, of the Found magazine, and I, I think the story where he starts is, is so so interesting and interesting. So Fifteen years ago, he went to his car in the middle of the night in Chicago, where he was. He found a note that said, "Mario," and his name is obviously not Mario. Mario, I effing hate you. You said you had to work, so why is your car here at her place with three angry underlines? I effing hate you. You're an effing liar. P.S. Page me later. <laughs> <laughs> and he said he fell in love with so much emotion, so some the mix of anger and hope in a tiny piece of yeah, paper. Yeah, yeah. So he developed this obsession with uh, lost and found notes, and people started to send him notes from all over the world, which he publishes, he curates, and every here and there he even found people that said that that read the magazine and said, "Hey, I wrote that note." So he brought the uh, rights to uh, the show. The show became, uh, the magazine became a musical. Mm. And the, the the owners of the musical brought the podcast to me. Uh, yeah. Victoria Lang, Eva Price, and Jamie um, Salka, and, and Adrian Baker of Kilcante. I think they're really interesting. The best um, phrase I heard describing the show was written by USA Today. USA Today, name of the podcast of the week, yeah. um, for which is a big thing for USA. And they said, Found makes you care about the lives of strangers, hmm. which sums up the concept of the show beautifully. Yeah, another podcast that does it very well is actually Strangers, Leah Tao's uh, podcast, um, which is, it's always fascinating. I think there's this aspect of people that like to hear this peek into other people's lives. And right. and and when people do things that resonate with you, like, oh, I've been in that situ- situation where I've written a love letter. I've received a love letter, and it just—I've been that guy. <laughs> I've been Mario. I've been Amber. And so I think uh, people like the stories that touch their heart and and make them feel like, oh, you know, you want to root for the guy at some point and, and hope everything works out. Exactly right. So um, just the last thing to wrap up, and it's 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 a it's a bit of a big question, but I I think you know when we think about our lives and and the impact that we've had in this mm-hmm. world, you know, the world the word legacy sometimes comes to mind, and I'm wondering. If you think about your life in in that arc and in that span, I'm wondering where you where you would place yourself on that timeline. That well, halfway through it, right? I'm mean, just turned 46, so I hope to live to 92. Yeah. And there's a lot of things that I want to do still. I mean, I had a lot of great one. One of my favorite things of my work at Fox was just how many people I got to meet. Yeah, remember it was. 4,000 colleagues uh, that somehow reported to me, but then on. Then there were numerous other people that um, I interacted with because they were business partners, because they were viewers. I would get to um, Istanbul, perhaps, and I started talking to the cab driver, and they knew The Walking Dead, which was one of the shows. Yeah. So um, two years ago, I joined the board of GLAD, a great not-for-profit organization, to three years ago now. And that 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 also has to be uh, with me trying to give back to the community that that embraced me when, when I first moved to the U.S. Obviously, GLAD. Um, is shaping the the dialogue against L, uh, around LGBT people yeah. or against hate uh, yeah. for for LGBT people? That's admirable, and uh, I think it's always good if there's an aspect of our careers or our personal lives where we feel like you know we can recognize the fact that there's people always going to be people less fortunate than us, and to the extent that we can use the resources we have at our ability 
to make their lives a little better, I think that's always a good thing. That's one of the things that podcasting is, is very well known for. It has a huge potential. Yeah. Because people are listening. Yeah. And that's, uh, and paying attention and, and that, and, and using that power, if you will, for good. Right. Is, is our responsibility. So, Nan, thank you so much for taking the time. I really had a, a fascinating uh, discussion here with you, and, I, and I'm glad the listeners got to know a little bit more about Wondery and about you personally. Thank you so much, Harry. It's been a pleasure, and mi casa es tu casa. <laughs> anytime. Please feel free to stop by anytime. Uh, so what's the best place for folks to go for more information about Wondery? Wondery.com is our website, and there's a section for podcasters, another one for advertisers, and another one for content creators um, other than, than podcasters or people that are writers. And people can check our shows on Wondery.com. Shows. All of our shows are available on iTunes and on Stitcher, on anywhere where people listen to podcasts. And just to confirm, the spelling is W-O-N-D-E-R-Y in case. Thank you very much. <laughs> anyone so some wondering. people get confused. Yeah, so we, we got it as Wondery, which means the factory of wonder. Very nice. Thanks again. Thank you. So I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Hernan Lopez. Yes, it's Hernan, not Hernan. Please don't say that. Thanks so much to the folks at Wondery Studios for having me there and for uh, recording the episode there on site and saving me a lot of work. And, and it wouldn't have sounded nearly as good as it did there in their professional studios. Thanks to Elliot for manning the booth and making sure we sounded as good as we did. They really made me feel at home when I went over there. So it's really nice uh, when that happens. Thanks again to Cedar and Soil, who produces the music for our intro and outro for Podcast Junkies. And we are also a proud member of Podcastica. Check out all the shows on the network at podcastica.com. The retention hashtag for this week is Wonder Junkies. It's hashtag wonder, as in wondery, and junkies, as in podcast junkies. Put them together, and what do you got? Wonder Junkies retention hashtag. Let us know that you made it this far. Tag podcast underscore junkies, and also tag Wondery Media. W-O-N-D-E-R-Y-M-E-D-I-A. Tag us both. Let us know you made it this far. And I would be forever obliged to you. I'm really excited with some of the other guests that I have, I have coming up. I'm not sure which one I'll drop next. There's three or four to choose from. So that's actually in the works as we speak. As always, we're looking, I'm looking for engagement from you on social media Join the Podcast Junkies, Junkies Facebook group if you haven't done so already. I give you sneak peek behind the scenes videos of what's going on, post-recording, pre-recording, and all those fun times in between. You get the, a peek behind the curtain, if you will, at what my podcasting life is like. And uh, we're active on Twitter, active on Instagram, and also on Anchor. So any one of those show, any one of those platforms, engage with me, reach out to me. I'm always happy to hear from you. I always get the newsletter out. And if you aren't signed up, then occasionally I'll send you some other promo stuff regarding the show that I think you'd find interesting. So head on, head on over to podcastjunkies.com to sign up for that as well. As always, I really thank you from the bottom of my heart for listening and for getting this far. Uh, I really appreciate the fact that you're still along with me on this journey and to all you new listeners, uh, Hope you're enjoying the ride. Have a fantastic day.